0: Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Alison Colley. Hello, and welcome to this episode number 106 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. Thank you very much once again for tuning into this show. For those of you who are regular listeners, you will have heard me say this before, but for those of you who are just finding the podcast now, this podcast is aimed at employers, HR professionals and anybody who's interested in employment law and the world of work. And each week we aim to cover a particular topic or a case or a question that's been raised by a podcast listener. And I'm pleased to say that in this week's episode, we're going to be covering a topic that's been raised by a listener. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. This week's question comes from Roland Morris, and it's more of a topic actually, rather than a question. He's made a suggestion and he says, I really enjoy listening to your podcasts. Could I ask that you consider health and safety at work? workplace danger and section 44 of the Employment Rights Act 1996 as a potential future topic as it's an interesting subject. So I went back to Roland and I said thank you very much Roland for the suggestion do you mind if I mention your name in the podcast and he said he's happy for me to mention his name so thank you very much to Roland Morris who contacted me by email with this topic and so in this week's episode I'm going to cover very briefly health and safety at work and the reason I say I'm covering it briefly is because generally, in terms of an employer's obligations in relation to health and safety, I do provide general advice on this, but I don't actually go into the detail of it because health and safety is a particular topic that I don't have a great deal of experience in and nor do I get involved in with clients. So I tend to advise clients to go to an expert on health and safety. They tend to be people who are more practical and on the job kind of service rather than from a legal perspective. So I do tend to say to people if you have a particular need then you need to instruct a health and safety expert of which I do know a few who I can recommend to you if you need. So I'm going to cover it briefly and just give you an overview of an employer's obligations in relation to health and safety. Now I have to say that if you are an employer and you're concerned about this, then you can find a whole wealth of information on the health and safety executive's website. So that's the first point of call and I'll put a link to it in the show notes so you know where to go. But basically, just to cover off what an employer's obligation is in relation to health and safety. Now as you will imagine, there are extensive obligations for an employer in relation to the health and safety of of their employees, workers, self-employed persons, and also visitors to their sites or workplace. The primary legislation in relation to health and safety is the Health and Safety at Work Act 1974, which sets out basic health and safety duties that apply to companies, directors, managers and employees. And it's important to note that as a director of a company or an owner of a company that you have personal liability as well. So you can't hide behind your company, individuals will have liability as well. So it's really important that you take health and safety as a very serious concern. So the Health and Safety at Work Act 1974 sets out the basic duties that are required And the various obligations will depend very much on the work that's carried out by the organisation and your business. And that's why I say I don't tend to get involved in the setup of health and safety, risk assessments, reviewing workplaces and that sort of thing, because it does vary from different workplaces and the different types of work that people undertake. Clearly the risks and the considerations for a large-scale manufacturer with a factory outlet for example are going to be very different to that of an accountant's firm where employees work in an office and therefore the health and safety risks are much lower. Basically an obligation for an employer or company includes ensuring the health and safety of all employees and those affected by the activities that you undertake. And that's as far as is reasonably practicable. Employers must assess and review risk. So that's where your risk assessments come into place. So you have to undertake risk assessments, regardless of the type of work you undertake. It's important that you do that. And I'll come back to some examples shortly. You must make arrangements for the planning, organisation, control, management and review of preventative and protective measures for safety in your workplace. You must audit the adequacy of those procedures that you have in place. You must review that and you must appoint one or more competent persons to have responsibility for health and safety. And you must provide employees with information about health and safety and how you are undertaking those risk assessments and ensuring their safety at work. If you have over five employees, you must also produce a written health and safety policy. You must describe within that policy the arrangements for putting the policy into practice. You must bring the policy to the attention of employees in some way and you must revise that policy where it's appropriate as required, particularly if there are changes to the business or to risk. And you must also have appropriate arrangements in place to record effective planning, organisation control, monitoring and review of those measures and also record any significant findings of risk assessments and any group employees identified who could be at particular special risk. It's important to note as well as your civil liability as an employer you also have a potential criminal liability if you fail to undertake your legal obligations in relation to health and safety at work. And as I said earlier, individuals, individual directors and employers can be at risk of liability if there were to be a failing in relation to health and safety that led to harm or risk to employees. So what do you have to do on a practical level? Well, if you're an employer and you are running a business which operates from an office, let's just take the example of an accountancy's practice where the business operates from a single office where you have a bank of four or five desks, you have a meeting room, and clients or customers come into the office to see your accountants, and most of the work is undertaken on computer or by telephone. So in those circumstances, you have to look at what are the risks in your organization to employees. And that can be in relation to the workstation that they work from, the computer or the VDU screen, It can be working alone if they have a circumstances where an employee is left alone in the building. It can be dealing with aggressive or violent visitors to the office and it can also be in relation to the fire safety and fire procedures in the office when people are working. So that's just a quick rundown of some of the risks but as an organisation and as a business you're Obligation is to undertake risk assessments in relation to all of the potential risks that you can identify to your employees. And for an office, as I've just described, it would be fairly simple, but if you run a factory, then you may have all kinds of obligations and considerations that you have to look at. Now, aside from the obligations under the Health and Safety Acts and in relation to your liability, there, employees also have rights if they attempt to bring to your attention any health and safety issues and I believe this is what Roland was referring to in his email when he asked me to have a look at section 44 of the Employment Rights Act. So there are two key provisions of the Employment Rights Act that employers need to be aware of when dealing with employees who may raise any health and safety issues and the first is section 44 which states that An employee has the right not to be subjected to any detriment by any act or any deliberate failure to act by his employer done on the ground that a. having been designated by the employer to carry out activities in connection with preventing or reducing risks to health and safety at work the employee carried out any such activities. b. being a representative of workers on matters of health and safety or a member of a safety committee. The employee performed any functions as such as a representative or a member of such committee. What that means is an employee has the right not to have any detriment or any omission by their employer on the grounds that they are the designated health and safety representative or have been appointed as a member of a health and safety committee. Then it goes on to provide additional protection for those where there is no health and safety representative or safety committee bring to their employer's attention... And it says, by reasonable means, circumstances connected with his work which he reasonably believed were harmful or potentially harmful to health or safety, in circumstances of danger which the employee reasonably believed to be serious and imminent, which he could not reasonably have been expected to avert, he left or refused to return to his place of work, and in circumstances of danger which the employee reasonably believed to be serious and imminent, he took appropriate steps to protect himself. And so those last three protections in place for employees are that one they bring to their attention of their employer a health and safety issue or they take steps not to attend work or take steps to avert any serious danger. Now the purpose behind section 44 of the Employment Rights Act is that employees should be able to either be a health and safety representative or be on a committee or raise issues or not work in circumstances in which they feel that they're in danger and have the right not to be treated to their detriment. So what this means is for example if an employee raises an issue not as a member of a safety committee or as a former representative but brings to their attention of their employer an unsafe working practice and then they're subsequently disciplined for example for that issue then they have the right to bring a claim under section 44 of the Employment Rights Act. Now there have been a number of circumstances where employees have tried to utilise the protection provided by section 44 to say that they've been treated to their detriment because they've raised a health and safety issue when the Employment Tribunal and subsequent Appeal Tribunal have found that actually they haven't been disciplined for raising the issue but rather it was the manner in which they behaved or some other reason. So the employee genuinely has to have been disciplined or treated to their detriment in some other way as a result of that and that can be quite a high bar for employees to show but it's certainly something that employers need to be aware of and if somebody brings to your attention an issue relating to health and safety and you're not sure whether they're doing so for genuine reasons or if they're a troublemaker for example or they're trying some other way to get out of some disciplinary or some other management instruction for example then it's really important that you seek advice before taking any action because you could find yourself with a detriment claim and if they make a claim they can claim compensation as a result of that detriment the second relevant part that I think employers need to be aware of is Section 100 of the Employment Rights Act, which provides protection for employees from dismissal as a result of raising a health and safety issue. So, Section 44 prevents detrimental treatment that doesn't go as far as dismissal, whereas Section 100 provides additional protection for employees who raise issues relating to health and safety. So the idea behind section 100 is that if an employee sees something very serious going on and it's a health and safety issue that they can raise that issue without fear of being dismissed for doing so. And section 100 provides basically that an employee who is dismissed for raising a health and safety issue at work can claim unfair dismissal and their claim would not require them to have the two years service for unfair dismissal and there would be no cap on compensation. So for an employer's perspective it's really important that if you feel that an employee is raising a health and safety issue and you are minded to terminate their employment that you do seek advice because as I say they don't need that two years qualifying employment period in order to claim unfair dismissal if it's related to health and safety and any cap on compensation which applies for normal unfair dismissal which, as those of you who know, have listened before, is one year's net pay, will not apply. So it can be fairly costly and there can be a high risk to employers. So what does it actually apply to? Well, section 100 states, an employee who is dismissed shall be regarded for the purpose of this part as unfairly dismissed if the reason for the dismissal is that, a. having been designated by the employer to carry out activities in in connection with preventing or reducing risk to health and safety at work, the employee carried out any such activities. So that applies to those who have been designated as the health and safety rep or the person responsible for risk assessments and health and safety. For example, if they're dismissed in carrying out those activities, then it would be unfair. If they're appointed as a representative or are a member of a safety committee, so as with the detriment, if they are appointed to deal with it or a representative of staff then they also can claim unfair dismissal if they're dismissed as a result of those activities or again as with the detriment claim where there's no representative or safety committee they brought to their employer's attention by reasonable means circumstances connected with their work which they believed were harmful or potentially harmful to health and safety. So let's just say, for example, there's no health and safety committee or representative and so an employee in a factory brings to the attention of their employer that the safety stop button on a particular piece of machinery is no longer working and therefore he and colleagues should not be working on that machine until it's fixed. If the employer then subsequently terminates his employment, if the employee can show that The reason for the termination was because they'd raised that health and safety issue. Then they would be able to claim unfair dismissal under Section 100 of the Employment Rights Act. In addition to that, if an employee believes that they're in serious or imminent danger and they refuse to work or return to their place of work because of that danger, and they're dismissed, or if they take steps to protect themselves from danger at work, they can also bring a claim for unfair dismissal. So the parts of section 100 which apply to employees mirror those which apply under section 44 in relation to detriment. So it just takes the detriment one step further if the employee is dismissed. Now there isn't a huge amount of case law on this issue I have to say so it's difficult to find examples of employees who've been successful in claiming unfair dismissal in these circumstances but certainly if you have any experience of this yourself or you know of anybody or know of any cases and I'd love to hear from you you can get in touch with me by email it's alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk just to summarize then as an employer what you need to be aware of is that employees have additional protection from both detrimental treatment under section 44 and also dismissal under section 100 of the employment rights act If they are either a health and safety representative, they've been designated as somebody to deal with health and safety at your workplace, or they raise with you a health and safety concern, or they take steps to avoid any danger which they can foresee at work, or they don't turn up to work, or they refuse to attend at work until a health and safety issue has been resolved, then they have additional protection under the Employment Rights Act and you should be aware that you as an employer could find yourself with a claim for detrimental treatment and or unfair dismissal as a result. So what I've dealt with there are the legal risks to you of employees bringing claims in relation to health and safety issues but as I said right at the top of the show there are much more serious consequences in relation to health and safety and not getting it right aside from employment tribunal claims and those are potential criminal liability but also you have a huge risk to life and limb if you run an organisation where you're not taking health and safety seriously. Fortunately these days because of things like the health and safety at work acts there are fewer fatalities and injuries at work and health and safety is taken a lot more seriously by organisations But if you are a small business for example and you're just starting out then it may be that you're trying to find your way through a whole load of legislation and procedures and policies and things but I have to say in my view health and safety has to be the number one priority when you start a business for your employees and yourself if you work in that business. So if you do need any advice about health and safety then I would be happy to point you in the right direction or give you some general help myself or alternatively you can look at the health and safety executives website and again I will put a note in the show notes for you. As I said, I do think that the number of accidents and fatalities at work has obviously decreased over the years as a result of legislation. However, one thing that does appear to be on the increase, and in my experience from dealing with clients, is that in relation to the mental health and well-being of staff. And there has been a lot of work done in relation to the physical Health and safety of employees, even so far as in relation to employees who work in fairly sedentary jobs, like in an office. There is a lot of focus in relation to things like repetitive strain injury from using computers and the use of screens and the way in which we set up our desks. But I don't think there is as much consideration at the moment in relation to the impact of workloads, the ways in which we work these days the constant 24-7 access and accessibility to employees that can cause considerable stress and anxiety and in some cases can lead to full breakdowns and long-term mental health issues. So what I would say as a final thought is to Not only consider the physical aspects of your working environment, but also consider the impact on mental health and what you're doing as an organisation to assess that risk and to mitigate it. And ensure that employees aren't suffering both physical and mental risks as a result of their work. Ensuring mental health and good mental health practices in the workplace is something that I'm really passionate about. So I'd be very happy to talk to you. And I know a number of organisations who can provide guidance and assistance in ensuring that you undertake a good risk assessment of those risks for your staff and that your managers have that in mind as well. As I said, there aren't many cases on the issue of detrimental treatment and dismissal as a result of health and safety at work. But It would be interesting to see if anybody tried to bring a claim in future in relation to raising a health and safety issue regarding mental health and well-being and I wonder how that would be seen under either section 44 or section 100 of the Employment Rights Act. Again if you have any experience of this, any knowledge or anything you want to share then I'd be happy to hear it and I'd love to share with other listeners so do please get in touch with me and let me know or alternatively you can put comments under the show notes on the website which is at adviceforemployers.co.uk forward slash podcast forward slash 106. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the podcast And once again, thank you very much to Roland Morris for your suggestion for this podcast. I have said in previous episodes, but I'm going to say it again in case anybody's listening or you might know anybody who may be interested. But I I am looking to recruit another solicitor to work with me at Real Employment Law Advice. We do need somebody who's experienced in employment law and or who may be experienced in company or commercial law or have experience in advising businesses. So if you are interested in learning more about this, or you know anybody who is, I would love to hear from you. I'd be really grateful for any recommendations. And again, my email is alison at realemploymentoradvice.co.uk. Many thanks for your continued support and for continuing to listen to the podcast. I look forward to speaking to you again in two weeks time.